We're going to count down the top five of a special category, usually one that's relevant. We're going to debate it back and forth, my co-hosts and I. We're just going to have some good conversation and uh, hopefully come up with a definitive top five. This week's top five... Top five Star Wars moments. So before we get into the countdown, I want to introduce my two co-hosts. First, we will start out with... Well, I'm a one-man... A man who can basically play five instruments at once, maybe more. I think I might have lost count. We have Matty G. How you doing? Good. How are you doing, Matty G? I'm good. I'm uh, getting ready for New Year's. Uh, are we all, man? Are we all buying a lot of alcohol and liquor? No, I'm just preparing my liver. That's all. Our second co-host. You don't want him in your head because he is a psychologist. We have Tony B. What's going on, Tony? Happy to be here. Matty G said, yeah, ready for New Year's. I, I am actually buying up the alcohol because I know the last minute people are going to be buying it tomorrow. Yeah, just like me. Well, I think it's time to get into it, which is the top five Star Wars moments. Before we do, I think it's fair that we should give the audience a background of our uh, Star Wars experience. I know there's probably going to be some Star Wars super fans, so they should know our experience level with the franchise. Tony, why don't you uh, start off and uh, give us just a brief experience of uh, your Star Wars history. My first experience with it was when I was a child with the first three. They had already all been out. I was born in 85, so... Jedi, I think, came out in 83, so they already were all out. And I remember watching them as a child over and over again. I believe the first three were fine the way they were. I didn't need the 3D, all the special effects, but now that they've been out, you know, I will go out and watch them. Well, you're a Star Wars purist, Tony. I mean, not liking the 3D, not liking the special effects of the first movies. Look, I remember when they came back and they said, hey, we're going to do the old ones over again. And I was like, I remember seeing them. I don't need to see. And I was like, okay, maybe they just to see it in the big screen, that, that would be cool. But I, I really didn't need to see Han Solo walking around Boba Fett. I was perfectly fine with the old movie. Sometimes the imperfection of it is, you know, better. I know a lot of the uh, old Star Wars fans are purists as well, and uh, some don't even accept uh, the movies with the with the high definition and the new scenes and everything. So, Matty G, what is your experience with Star Wars? Well, I, uh, I started watching the original with my dad. Actually, the first three movies that came out in theaters, it was it was not the the original release, but when they re-released them, I guess it was like they the HD version or whatever, the CGI version of it. But they obviously want the original versions. I don't really have a preference, kind of like Tony. I don't have a preference whether it's uh, uh, got the 3D effects or not. I think the first three are just, like, classic and, you know, legendary and deserve, like, the, the praise that they get. And, um, you know, I saw the newer ones, but most people would agree the uh, original trilogy is way better than the 1, 2, and 3 are, for the most part. 
Now, I, I, will, I will say, like, the new ones with technology, you can go back and do so much cooler stuff than the Jedi. I remember as a kid just being freaked out that Luke could move a stone. Now, they, these guys are flying all over the place because they got, you know, the computers and stuff. And I'm, I'm all for it. But at the same time, if you're going to make the new stuff, then you open yourself up to be evaluated. And what are we going to do? We're going to compare the old stuff to the new stuff, and I think that's fair game. And in some cases, I feel that it it measures up and sometimes maybe even a bit better. Other times, I'm watching it and I'm like, I'm a little confused. Tony, you sound like that old grandparent who said, when I was young, I used to walk 5,000 miles to get to school. Only when I was young, Luke Skywalker used to have to lift a ship out of the pond by just using force. He didn't have all this newfangled CGI shit. No, he, he, he didn't. And uh, let me tell you something, too. With this new one, and I people, there's going to be spoiler alerts, so I'm just going to tell you now. <laughs> When she goes at the end of the movie to see Luke Skywalker, I'm thinking to myself, having watched the old ones, I'm like, what is she going to tell Luke? She's been doing these tricks for 10 minutes (laughs) already, reading people's minds and stuff. And Luke, after years, couldn't even move the lightsaber when the monster was coming. I guess my Star Wars experience was a little different. Um, my mom showed me the first movie, A New Hope, on VHS. And it was great. I was into it. And for about a year, I thought it was a standalone movie. I had no clue there were sequels. The sequels were already released, but my mom chose not to show them to me. Then a year later, she showed me Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And looking back on it now, I could see why she held off. The second and third movie is pretty dark. You got Luke finding out that Darth Darth Vader is his father. You've got a lot of the darkness like the Emperor. And as a kid, it was heavy for me. I literally looked at my mom and I said, Mom, is Dad going to do that to us? (laughs) And actually, my parents were divorced. So my mom basically said, Yes, son, your dad has already started. He's turned to the dark side. (laughs) I love the movies. I will give my opinion on the newer trilogy the prequels i guess but i'm going to save that for the episode so i guess without further ado we should get right into it we'll all present our top fives and then we'll uh see if we can come to a uh, consensus in a galaxy far far away y'all ready for this one two three let's go here we go maddie g how about you uh, kick us off sir what i'm actually doing is doing a very honest most memorable moments because i really had to think deeply about like what I remember the most from the first six movies. The seventh one I've seen recently, I started like last week, but uh, the other ones I had to really think about what I think the most memorable lasting moments were. Five. Um, number five, I'm actually going to throw in one of the prequels, and I'm going to start with the Darth Maul scene. What, what I mean by that, of course, is the, the battle with him and uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. Uh, that's my number five scene. Basically, uh, as a music guy, I love the song, Duel of Fates. It's very classic, legendary, you know, John Williams, like, masterpiece. And I love that, the, you know, I still have a long battle of it. I love that there's a lot of drama involved in it with, uh, with Qui-Gon and with, you know, the cutting in half of Darth Maul. That's basically number five for me. I was very close to including that fight with Darth Maul in my list. 
I really enjoy it. I enjoy the uh, special effects of it with all the uh, energy fences and shields. Uh, obviously, uh, you get the uh, killing of Liam Neeson's character. Uh, Darth Maul is just a badass. I actually wish he was featured more in the first movie. I yeah. think that's one of its weaknesses. You might have one of the coolest, most intimidating Star Wars villains... And yet you barely see him, and he might have five total lines in the movie. I like it because that's the first time you really get to see the Jedi with new technology, and they don't disappoint. Like, in that instance with the lightsabers and the double lightsabers, and they're both going at it, and it looks realistic, you have to realize, oh, wait, there's actually not lightsabers. And this is when, we, you know, we were still kind of kids, and they came out with this. So that scene, you know, still sticks out with me. So I'm glad, you know, you brought that up. When I see Darth Maul with that lightsaber bow staff, I'm thinking, that's a badass Donatello. <laughs> <laughs> with horns. I'm surprised he didn't headbutt anybody in the movie. Though. Like, you, you would have, he, he's not going to get any screen time. The least he can do is gorge somebody a little bit. Cool. Uh, number four is going to be a little bit of a weird choice, possibly, for you guys. But number four, I'm going with. The closing ceremony of the New Hope, because once again, the song I love too. It's kind of an interesting scene because nothing's really said. But I'm talking about the uh, the medal scene, like when they get the medals. They're walking down this uh, this elaborate kind of hall. Um, the only thing you hear is Chewbacca basically just growling once in a while. But it's it's kind of long lasting for me because I just remember that that image and like things are being said without anything being actually you know verbally said. I thought that number four. Um was an interesting choice. I can see why you chose it. I love that Chewie blows up the uh, award ceremony scene as being the only thing you hear. <laughs> For that scene, I like that Han is, like, the first time is like a hero. And you can see in his face, you know, he's, he's ne never really been seen in that light. I'm confused as to why Chewie didn't get an award in that scene. <laughs> That's called Wookiee discrimination. Yeah, absolutely. It was, and they didn't even think about giving him an award. <laughs> he was back on the second level, and it's like, no, 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 this is for the humans. You stand back, dog. <laughs> you got slice so upset. Maybe that's what he's saying in his language. Tony, I didn't realize that you spoke Chewy language. <laughs> you can see. You can see what he's saying. Absolutely. <laughs> Number three, I'm going to go with Han Solo being locked in the carbonite. Um, in Empire Strikes Back. I'm going with that because I feel like that was one of the most dramatic twists of the whole series. I mean, obviously, I'm going to say number one for that. But uh, I think Spoiler that... Spoiler alert! It's a low point. It's a low point for, for, like the, for the characters, and you need that. And like I, I think that's one thing, actually, that Episode Seven kind of uh, wasn't as strong with, was that like Empire Strikes Back... I think it's such a compelling movie because there's so much that goes wrong for the good guys. And it's, it's almost like when you're watching a show like Game of Thrones, like, like the bad guys win once in a while. And I think that that episode uh, five, a lot of that is like the bad guys are winning and it, and it leads to a lot more tension in the movie, which is much more entertaining to watch. Number three to me was, it was a tense scene, but there's one point in that scene that I love. And it's when Princess Leia yells to uh, Han Solo, I love you. And Han Solo, he doesn't say, I love you too, honey. He goes, I know. <laughs> I think every, every man, even as a boy, you nod at that scene. You're like, mm-hmm. I've tried to do that with girls. It hasn't worked out that well. 
I think the actual um, the actual script calls for him to say "I love you too," but he actually changed it. Harrison Ford. I think I read that somewhere. You can probably check that up, but pretty sure he uh, he changed the line. I read that too, and I've heard that a lot of Han Solo's lines were written differently, and Harrison Ford switched them up. And George Lucas was so impressed that he didn't bother to do a reshoot, or he kept uh, Harrison Ford's original lines in because they were just so much better. Number two, I'm going to go with the title screen of all the movies. Because when the first thing I think of when I think of Star Wars, besides lightsabers and Darth Vader and everything, is the title screen with the music and the scrolling uh, credits. I think that's like classic. Well, you can't really you know think of Star Wars without that. I remember when I went to see the uh, first episode of the prequels. It was the first Star Wars I saw in a theater. And when that came on, it was the audience clapping. There was such an energy there. I have a soft spot for the title screens. I'm just not clever enough to put it in my top ten because I didn't think about it. See, I, I that's one of the things I don't like about the movies. I don't like that it, it turns into a reading test immediately. Because, okay, the, the thing goes off, you start clapping, and then everyone gets to work. Okay, what, what do they say? Wait, it's moving away. i got to hurry up and read it again. You, I, I, I don't like that. I remember episode one was very detailed with like some sort of stuff. It was about federations and republics, and I'm like 15 watching it. I was just like, wait, what? Like, hold on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have to stop clapping and like you're telling people to shut up. I'm trying to pay attention and read this thing. Can they can they pause it for a half? A, but I, I don't like that. It's, it's very elitist, I think, of Star Wars to assume that the people can read it. <laughs> Well, I think they should just make them bilingual at this point. That's, that's a fair point. How come they never put it in Spanish? Half the population <laughs> speaks it. You would think they're trying to branch out to a new audience. Not even, not even a thought. They, so I, I don't like it. I think it needs to be a feature on those like those Kindles and stuff. Like that. I don't use any of that stuff. But there should be a feature where you can just read books like that. And it'll just play the Star Wars music the whole time. And it'll just show like chapter one. <laughs> it keeps scrolling it down for you. I think that would be pretty badass, but then I think it would be stressful, especially with that music, and, and you're just like, the Star Wars music is playing, I better be able to read fast. <laughs> the thing is, we know the music by heart, so we know when the song is wrapping up. Run. And then, of course, number one I'm going to go with, I'm your father, however you want to say it. It's quoted so much that it's actually quoted inaccurately most of the time. Um, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's just something that like everyone knows. Like, I mean... People I know that haven't even seen Star Wars know that line. It's almost like the the least spoiler spoiler ever now, <laughs> and um, it's obviously one of the biggest twists in the history of movies from what I can what I can read and what, what I can see. Um, so that's my number one, and uh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> we'll see how many of us have that moment as number one. That's all I'm gonna say. Tony, I'm curious to hear your top five. When I went back and tried to do the list, it was tough because I, I was. Going back, and I know there's scenes that I that will always be with me forever. And going back and watching the uh, prequels, there was a lot of parts that I'm like, "What if this went differently?" And a and a lot of those move, moments in the movie have me thinking. So, um, so it was tough to try to not include them. Like, for example, thinking, "How come Qui Gon doesn't?" negotiate harder for Anakin's mom. And I remember distinctly that there were multiple opportunities in the movie for him to do this, 
And for some reason, he refused to do it because of the Jedi Code. And I felt there was a real opportunity. He could have negotiated harder, but he negotiated for Jar Jar Binks. But he wouldn't do it for the boy who's made up of the Metachlorians. And that always stuck with me because it had Anakin had his mom, maybe he wouldn't have gone to the dark side. I like it. I like it. I 100% agree. I also kind of wonder, since we're on the topic, not to digress too much, but why did it take Anakin so long to go back for his mom? Well, the, well, he was a slave, and, and and this is what it gets me, is how come, just, just take the mom. <laughs> like, this is what I don't, which was boggling my mind. Like, I don't understand why this Jedi was going so far out of the way to help out a slave owner. There was a scene where he was like, how about um, I give you the winnings for the boy and the mom? And the slave was like, no, only one. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I don't want to bankrupt the slave owner. So I'll pick, I'll pick the boy. Trivia question. What's the slave owner's name? I looked this up before <laughs> because I already have a name for him. <laughs> what were you calling him, Tony? I was calling him Fat Fly. <laughs> and I, I still think that's a better name than whatever Wopo, whatever his name was, they gave him. I, I think they could have easily gotten away with, but Anakin, Fat Fly won't let you do it. You can't erase him. <laughs> it still would have worked. Fair enough. Well, then, uh, Tony, without further ado, I'm curious to what your number five moment is. Five. All right, my five is a is a tie between the new tech, the, the the Darth Maul scene with the new technology. Right now, I'm leaving the medal ceremony because as a child, that always stuck with me. So then, number five is a tie between the medal ceremony and the Darth Maul fight scene. With the it's a lean towards the uh, the medal scene. Did you pick the medal scene after hearing Maddie G's answer and being reminded of it, or was it on your initial topic? No, it was already on there. There's other scenes that I, I, if I can, I can always make a case for being in the top five. This is a scene that no matter what is going to be in the top five. If anything, I, I kick other things out to make sure that the medal scene is in the top five. It's funny because I actually, of all my picks, I thought that was the most. Like, unique one, I thought. But it's funny that you, you picked that, too. Don't worry, I didn't pick the metal scene. I feel <laughs> like an idiot now. Cool. Number four is the Yoda hate speech. Mm, message from the dark side there is. Where he goes, where Anakin in the first one, he's still a little boy. He goes to the Jedi Council, and he's getting all the answers right. For some reason, the test concludes he's too old. But Yoda looks him over real quick, and he's like, I, I sense a lot of, uh, you know, fear in you. He's like, what's that got to do with it? You know, fear leads to hate. <laughs> hate leads to anger. Anger leads to destruction. And I see a lot of fear in you. Because I like that the hate speech, especially because it's so um, poignant now. And I remember watching it in the theaters and a lot of the stuff that's still going on today was just kind of brewing. Kind of served as, you know, some foreshadowing for a lot of what's going on today with a lot of the you know, fear and anger. They go listen to Yoda for a couple of minutes, maybe they would see what's going on. I, I think it's an interesting thing. I, I remember that scene. I wasn't I wasn't expecting that to be on the, on the list, but it's it's a it's a good kind of a surprise, though. It's pretty pretty interesting points. And Yoda always has nuggets. You know, he's one of those characters in the original trilogy. Yoda 
doesn't get much screen time, but when he does, he makes a count, and then he just kills it in the uh, new trilogy, and I think he's one of the uh, saving graces of those movies. For my number three, it's like a com- it's a combination of scenes, and you'll understand what I'm saying in a minute. It's the uh, Han Solo improvisation scene where he's in the asteroid field, and he's on the run from the Empire. The And the scene starts off where... They just kind of got out of the base, and he's like, all right, don't worry. We're going to go to light speed. Watch this. And nothing happens. It's one of those scenes where they're, they're, you're at the your wit's end, and you're trying to figure everything out, and that's when Han has the decision, you know, let's go into the asteroid field. When everybody else is saying, no, we have to go somewhere else, he realizes, no, desperate times, desperate measures. We're going in the asteroid field. Has the idea to go inside the cave, which turns out not to be a cave. And where he makes the decision to turn the ship around right as the rear deflector shield is given out. And they're about to be exploded. He says, all right, turn it around. We're actually going to make it look like we're going to attack him. And he ends up sticking to the side of the, the ship. Improvisation at its finest and how important of a skill it is to have. So that's my number three. As somebody who hasn't seen the last, I mean, the first six movies in a long time, it took me a while to pinpoint the scene until he said the thing about the cave, and I was like, oh, okay, now I remember that scene. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. the asteroid, they're, they're dodging all that, and it actually looked pretty good for 1980 or whatever they were doing. Yeah, that, that was a cool twist. I, I, mean, I definitely remember that, and I, it definitely is memorable, because that's, that's the part I remember right away. I was like, oh, yeah, the cave thing. Yeah. <laughs> I like that scene, and and if I remember correctly, is that the scene where C-3PO keeps telling Han the odds of survival, and he's like, the odds of surviving this asteroid field yep. are 30,000 to 1. Never tell me the odds, absolutely. Another great line, shut up, I don't care what the odds are, I don't care, we're going to do it because it has to work. I think one of my biggest points that I'll make in this podcast is Han Solo's a badass. I love Han Solo. From my most recent rewatch of these movies, which I did right before seeing the new movie, I have so much respect for Han Solo's character. Mm-hmm. And I think there are times where he's kind of forgotten because for a lot of the plot points in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, things are swirling between Luke and Vader. You have a little bit of Princess Leia in there. But every time Harrison Ford's on that screen, it is just magic. Every scene he's in, he provides an energy to those movies. So Han Solo's a badass. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, Absolutely. It's tough to not make a top five Han Solo list. Our next top five is going to be top five Han Solo quotes. (laughs) Yes, a couple. Number two, actually, it's the Hoth attack scene going into the ice planet. And at this point in the franchise, all we know about the Rebels is they always win. They blew up the Death Star. They're always winning. So they're lining up the soldiers to fight. And you're thinking, okay, it's... This is about to be another, you know, another win. And then next thing you know, you see those Imperial walkers. And they try shooting at him, and nothing's happening. And every time that walker shoots, it's just tearing them apart. Very early on, you can realize this this is not going to go well for the Rebels. This is probably going to be a bloodbath for them, which it ended up being. For the first time, you realize how precarious the Rebel situation really is. They don't have it won. The Empire ends up winning it sort of in a cakewalk, you see them fleeing for the first time, and you really see that, hey, not everything is going to be a win. There's going to be losses. And it really sets the stage for a really 
dark you know, movie. And I remember just those walkers are just, you can see those things mean business. And there was no stopping those walkers. Maybe you can get a couple of them down. I know what it's like to fight against those walkers. If you've ever played Star Wars Battlefront for the original Xbox, you have to fight those walkers. Those things are the toughest things to kill in the entire world. So I know what it's like to be a rebel soldier in that scene. It sucks. You gotta watch. You gotta play the one with um. It's called Star Wars Trilogy by like Sega. It's like you sit and you have like a joystick, but it also like doubles as a as a lightsaber when you're fighting against Darth Vader. Is it old school or is it a newer game? It's pretty old, but it's it's the original trilogy. Like you, you know, each level is one of the movies. I mean, the first battle for level uh, level two, which is episode, uh, episode five, is that scene. That's what I remember. It's like you know, you're like shooting down the thing. You got to tie up the uh, ATAT's legs and stuff. It's really cool. So you see, Tony, Maddie G, and I have actually fought these things, so we know how hard it is. Yeah. So you know, these things mean business. Which makes me wonder if the people in the galaxy are wondering about, oh, we need to make sure we keep our laser guns in case the Empire decides to take them. They got those walkers. What are you going to do with a laser blaster? Run. My number one scene is, and a lot of people want to probably have the Luke Skywalker, the I'm your father thing. That's certainly a, a point you see. Unfortunately, that doesn't make my top five. My number one scene is the Yoda training, where it ends with Luke Skywalker is trying to get the ship out of the Dagobah swamp. He had just figured out how to stack rocks, so he's, he's learning his powers. The ship is sinking into the swamp, and he's like, oh my god, we'll never get this thing out. And Yoda's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so certain <laughs> with you, we can't be done. And yeah, and Luke is like, come on, I stacked rocks, but this is completely different. And Yoda's like, no, only different in your mind. <laughs> I think the first time we're all watching it, I think we're on Luke's side. Like, come on, I was stacking rocks. You, you want me to get a ship out? Get real. Then he's like, all right, I guess I'll give it a try. And Yoda, yeah, is like, no, do or do not. There is no try. So that's what my uh, favorite scene because it really it, it gets to that. There's no limit to your potential. And then Luke starts using the Force. He gets the the ship halfway up, and even R two D two's freaking out at this point. You know he's about to short circuit. I think he even passes out. And then Luke gets distracted and the ship goes down. And yeah, it's like I just, you couldn't do it. Didn't didn't believe. I think it's, it's something that kind of the the new movie kind of lacks, like that kind of sense of like you know, having to struggle and train and, like, get to a certain point. Because in the newest movie, one of my issues with the newest movie was that, like, everything kind of just seemed automatic. It was kind of, like, all that stuff about, like, the hard work and the training that, like, Yoda teaches Luke is kind of just like, oh, here's a soldier who uh, never used a lightsaber. Oh, here he goes. Oh, he's fighting. He's, he's fighting for his life and he's doing all right. And, you know, it kind of just, like, seemed like everything was kind of rushed in, like, the newest movie where, like, that is, like, a perfect example of the the older way where the movie actually like develops things and like showed you, you know, kind of like when you're watching Rocket, you want to see Rocky struggle. You want to see him like get to that point where he actually is like achieving something. You feel like there's progress, there's growth. It's not like everyone just awesome at everything automatically. The stuff that, that, that Ren was able to do, we never seen Luke do. And she's doing it with 15 minutes. And at the, the, the movie ends with her going to see Luke. And I'm thinking, what is Luke going to tell her? If she's already doing this, I think it happens overnight. Luke took years to move the lightsaber. 
you know, and I definitely agree with that. Uh, it's something that I um, didn't really think about when I watched it. And now hearing you guys talk about it, it certainly is uh, something that's absent from this new movie. But it's tough for me to judge until we see at least the second movie. Because if you remember, like, Luke did some training with Obi-Wan. But Luke's true training didn't happen until Empire Strikes Back. And it was with uh, Master Yoda. And Luke had already done some pretty cool shit. He had blown up the Death Star. He, uh... I guess that's it. He blew up the Death Star. He but blew I was the Death Star. Well, I definitely agree with you guys, and uh, definitely a good, uh, astute pickup. I didn't even think about it, and now that you, like, you know, you brought it up, Maddie G, that's uh, that's definitely something that's missing. Yeah, it's one of the, the, the several things I pointed out in my review where I, I don't know, I feel like I was being like a downer. I know everyone's so excited about the, the new movie, and it was entertaining to a point, but I feel like a lot of things that you know most classic movies have it kind of was lacking. So that's one of the things. So, so Matty G, like, if it wasn't for the nostalgic parts of the movie, it's almost as if the, the person, like, never watched Star Wars that made it. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of it was, uh, was basically, the best parts of it were basically, like, kind of like a nostalgic trip. So let me just uh, put a synopsis to, to one of the Star Wars movies, and you guys figure out which one it is, right? Okay, you have this evil empire, and you have rebels. There's a guy dressed in all black who wears a black helmet, has a weird voice box effect when he talks. The guy in the black helmet is hunting certain people down and looking for certain information. He takes orders from a super evil dude who sits on a throne. There's a bunch of stormtroopers and a big ship that destroys planets. Then there's a small-town orphan from a desert who finds himself on the Millennium Falcon with Han Solo and Chewbacca. They eventually join forces with the Rebellion to blow up a huge ship, but not before one of the old characters gets dramatically killed by the bad guy in the black helmet with a lightsaber. Which movie is that? <laughs> we may have been better off just leaving it with the, the version we had from 1983. Well, I think it's a good transition into my top five because actually my number five is from the new movie. All right. Five. My number five is actually the scene where, spoiler alert, <laughs> if you haven't seen the new movie, shut off the podcast now. <laughs> where... Han Solo gets killed by his son. The reason I like that scene is because, as I've said on this podcast about three different times, Harrison Ford is a badass. <laughs> he adds so much to Star Wars, and even though his character isn't always a central figure in the action, that movie would not be nearly as good if it, if it wasn't for his presence. So to actually see him cut down, killed, and falling right out of our sight is such a powerful scene. Uh, it, it certainly resonated with me. I was watching that, and I think... The Han Solo I know would never have gone out there. What are you, nuts? This guy's been talking to who knows what people on the dark side, and you're going to go out there and talk to him one-on-one with no protection? He's his son, though, dude. Like, I mean... Screw that. Screw <laughs> that. He's my son over there. <laughs> Han Solo would have been like, no, no, no. You come over here. I'm not walking way over there. Chewie, back me up. He was trying to give his son the benefit of the doubt. I get what you're saying. Screw that. But. Screw that. Not that he can't give his son the benefit of the doubt. Just not this minute. <laughs> this guy can jump up and fly up. If he really wanted to, he could have met me not over there. 
You forget that Han Solo never mentioned the Force. You know, I, I rewatched the original three movies. There was no mention of the Force. Han Solo really didn't even acknowledge it. I think there was even that. one point where Han Solo said he thought the Force was a bunch of bullshit. Okay. This movie, he does believe in the Force, but do you think Han Solo realizes how corrupt the dark side of the Force is? I don't think he does. He never met the Emperor. I don't even think came face-to-face with Darth Vader outside of getting frozen in the carbonite, but he was frozen for most of that scene. So I honestly think he underestimated the dark side of the Force, and then obviously it's his son, so he's going to go out there and give his son the benefit of the doubt. Seth, are you listening to yourself? His only bad experience was when he was frozen. What are you nuts? So the only time I was dealing with the Force is when they froze my axe for who knows how long, and now my son may or may not be with him. Even if I don't believe in the Force, all I know is this is a crazy dude with a lightsaber. I don't care if he's my son or not. We can talk about it over there. <laughs> Should have stayed over there, huh? And Darth- Chewie's like, dude, what are you doing? Well, actually, that's the other favorite part of that scene for me is Chewie's reaction. And I mean, in the first movies, Chewie's kind of just a character that's pretty much there for comic relief and to be uh, Han's buddy. So I never really was invested in Chewie or his story. In this new movie, I get invested in Chewbacca. His reaction to where he's shooting all the uh, stormtroopers. It's just powerful. It's the first real time where I saw true emotion from Chewbacca. And I'm like, I feel you, dude. I really do. The only other time I saw Chewbacca so pissed off was when he didn't get the medal in the award ceremony. You should be pissed off about that. I think the Han Solo getting killed by his son scene, I think uh, that's probably the most significant scene of the movie. Actually, it's kind of like dark, but when I was watching it, I almost was hoping that something like that would happen just because I, I feel like something huge had to happen in that movie. Because I feel like a lot of it was kind of just the same plot of episode four. So I feel like that was like the biggest scene of that movie. And then probably like the second would be like the, the very last scene. So like if, if anything was going to be from that movie on the top five list, I would probably pick that as well. Cool. Number four is actually a moment we haven't talked about. And uh, number four is a weird choice, but I'll give my reasoning behind it. Number four is the opening scene, I guess the opening battle scene of Return of the Jedi, where you have Luke and Han and Lando uh, getting ready to be walked off the plank uh, with Boba Fett and Jabba the Hutt. And the whole battle that ensues with that, I just love. I love that scene. It's a scene I never forget. I think one of the big reasons is because outside of the characters we see, the biggest figure is Jabba the Hutt. And for the first two movies, we haven't met him. He is mentioned several times, especially with Han Solo. So the fact that we get to see Jabba the Hutt, I think is really cool. To see Boba Fett fight Luke and and to have that fight scene between the two of them is really great. It stinks that Boba Fett died unceremoniously, just falling into a sand pit. You basically have this third movie of the trilogy start off with such a bang. I think it's a tone setter to what's going to happen. Like I said, just a really fun scene where all of our major characters, Luke, Han, Lando, Leia, C-3PO, Chewbacca, and R2-D2 are all together fighting an enemy such as Jabba the Hutt, who I think turns out to be a really fun villain in and of himself. And I wish we saw more of him, too. That's my number four. I remember that's the scene where Jabba the Hutt gets strangled, right? Uh, by slave girl Leia. Yep, and uh, Boba Fett dies, even though everyone thinks he's, like, the most awesome character. <laughs> he does, like, nothing in the, in the whole thing besides just look cool. 
Um, yeah, I remember that scene. I remember the uh, that like warm thing that comes out from like the the sand, and like people are getting uh, bone fat actually falls into it. I remember that. Definitely a memorable scene. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it's cool. It's a cool scene. I mean, I like it, and uh, I like that movie. I think a lot of people kind of gave it a slightly lower review than like episode four and five, but it's definitely like a good grouping with those three. Like as like one of the best trilogy ever, if not the best trilogy ever. Um, I'm actually glad you listed that. That's a scene I I was trying to find space in there for too, because because it's the scene that we see Luke as a Jedi for the first time, and yeah, he destroyed that uh, that big creature before, but as he's about to be let out into the uh, the sand dudes, everything says, dude, you're about to die, and he goes, Jabba, this is your last chance. Free me or die. And Luke knew, like, hey, I got the drop on you. Just let me go. And everyone's laughing at him. And then next thing you know, Luke starts doing his backflips, and lightsaber comes out, and like you said, Luke takes care of business. MVP definitely goes to Slave Girl Leia, because not only does she look hot, but then she chokes out the big baddie with, with the exact chain that he's holding her down with. That's what you call karma. All right, my number three scene is another one we haven't mentioned. I wanted to list it higher, but I really couldn't, because the, the uh, top two that I have aren't going anywhere. From Star Wars, A New Hope. And it is the most Eisley spaceport scene. This is where we get the first glimpse of the Jedi mind trick. Where the stormtroopers are asking uh, Obi-Wan and Luke about the droids. Obi-Wan uses the Jedi mind trick where he says, These aren't the droids you're looking for. And he tricks the stormtroopers. And again, another one of those scenes that everyone can reference, but it's always misquoted. Similar to Luke, I am your father. Mm-hmm. And then we have the bar fight where Luke gets into a bar fight with his creature. Obi-Wan takes out his lightsaber and basically chops the creature's arm off. Then Han Solo. In case you didn't realize this, Han Solo is a badass to me in those movies. And I love the scene where they're talking to Han Solo at the table. They're trying to negotiate about Han flying them out on the Millennium Falcon. And I remember the dialogue, and it's great, uh, because Alec Guinness, the guy who plays Obi-Wan, and uh, Harrison Ford, who are both awesome actors, they just go uh, toe for toe, wit for wit. But Han goes, you aren't familiar with the Millennium Falcon? And then Obi-Wan responds, should I be? <laughs> and I just think that's the best... Uh, Convo ever between those two characters, and it just shows that Han's a badass, and it also shows that Obi-Wan's not going to take any shit. But I like that scene, too, because that's the first time you see the power of the Force really to change people's minds, because if Obi-Wan doesn't do the, look, you don't need to see the identification. We don't need to see the identification. <laughs> these aren't the droids you're looking for. Man, these aren't the droids we're looking for. <laughs> You can go about your business. I say you can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Not you. <laughs> you stay there. These guys can move along. Yeah, that's definitely a memorable scene. Not to mention the, the famous band and that famous song. I mean, I don't know what it's called. I, whatever the name of the bar is, I think the name of the song is the same thing as the bar. Maddie G, thank you for mentioning that song. That is such a catchy tune. And there are times where actually, like, if I walk into a bar, I kind of wish that song was playing when I walk in. Which one? I like the... Yeah, They have a couple of hits. Whatever happened to that band? How come they weren't playing at Java's house? Cantina band. 
It's a great song. No, no, no. You got to play it again. This is good. I'm making that my ringtone. I really got to watch this movie again. I'm this is the cantina scene. It's the actual scene, not just the music. So, yeah, it's pretty good song. It's upbeat. I like it. It's catchy. Matty G, I think that uh, you should play it as Matty G the musician and use a few different instruments at once. There's a few songs I know from Star Wars, but I don't know that yet. Uh, I know I know that there's a good song from episode two, actually. I forgot what it's called. Um, oh, i got to try to find it now. It's like... That one's a good song. I know which one you're talking about. I, yeah, I don't want to try to hum it. I can play that. I can play Duel of the Fates a little bit. I can do, you know, I can do some of those songs. Um, but I don't know the cantina scene yet. <laughs> I digress. We'll go on to number two because I'm actually really excited about this one. And I hope you guys will bear with me because I have a little preamble to introduce this one. Hey, if you guys stood in there with my preambles, we can stand in there with your preambles. My <laughs> next scene comes from the prequels or the new movies. And I know you guys are like, well, what scene from the first movies is so good enough to be number two? And before I, I mention the scene, I just want to say Star Wars fans trash the prequels, trash these new movies. And I don't think they deserve all the hate that they get. I think people have to remember that these were never going to be the original uh, trilogy. These movies were made more than a decade later when technology was so much more advanced and if you didn't think that film creators were going to use that technology to make these worlds a little bit more diverse, then I don't know what you're smoking. The actual storyline is good. A lot of the acting is good and a lot of the characters that they introduce is good. My biggest flaw with the movie is any scene with Natalie Portman and Hayden Christensen in it because they aren't as good of actors as everyone else in the actual movie. That being said, my number two moment is the Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader fight in Revenge of the Sith, the third movie of the prequels. I love the scene because this is it. This is the scene that I feel changes the Star Wars universe. So we were waiting for it to happen. We wondered how the hell Anakin Skywalker truly becomes this robotic creature. We know whatever happens, it's gruesome. And it's pretty much just pins and needles waiting for this, this ball to drop. The music in the scene is awesome. It's Star Wars music, but it's angry. And it just already adds to tension that's there. The lightsaber choreography in the scene is the best lightsaber choreography of any Star Wars movie. And then, of course, you get the whole lava scene where they're out in the lava, they're climbing these structures, they still keep fighting each other. Obviously, Anakin gets stuck on the lower ground, he tries to jump up, and uh, Obi-Wan cuts off his uh, limbs, and then he eventually burns in the lava. And uh, Ewan McGregor, who plays Obi-Wan, does great acting, where he literally yells to Anakin, You are my brother! It's, it, it's such an awesome scene. I really like it. And I don't care if you were pro or anti-first movies, how can you not like that scene just for the sheer anticipation of seeing it happen? Oh, no, that's a, that's a great scene. And I, I don't hate completely on the new ones, because they're valuable in explaining the story. If I had to pick something from the from the... Episode two or three, it would be that too. I think it's just, uh, it kind of just caps off like the first three movies, really. I mean, meaning episode one, two, and three. I mean, when you think about it, the whole point of those movies is like, you know, how does Darth Vader happen? <laughs> kind of thing. You know, so like, that's like, that's the pinnacle of the trilogy, really. And they literally spare no expense, no effort on that scene. I can only imagine how much they practice that lightsaber choreography. Mm -hmm. 
If you go back and watch that scene, it is so clean, so crisp, and fast. It's just so well done. And it was a labor of love, probably, to make that scene, because it's the scene everyone was looking forward to. Yeah, and you even have the scene before where they, uh, where Anakin and Obi-Wan meet for like the last time as friends. Obi-Wan is trying to convince him, like, hey, look, you're, you're already more powerful than me, but just be patient. We'll hang out later. Just we'll have the ears. We'll listen to the Mos Eisley Spaceport song. Well, I expected more of a laugh on that joke. <laughs> well, I thought we were playing a song. <laughs> oh, this song? I mean, I'm sorry. If Anakin and Obi-Wan just had some beers, listened to the song, all this shit didn't need to happen. See, and now you're on my territory. What could have What could have happened? I, I still maintain that the Jedi screwed this up and they should have handled Anakin with some more gloves. And like you said, Anakin is not the, you don't, you're not tough on him. This is the type, okay, let's go out for some beers and let's talk about what went wrong. <laughs> was Anakin old enough to drink? Because I feel maybe he was 16 or 17 in these movies, in which that would be illegal. By the third one, I think he was 17. So then you're asking the Jedis to do something illegal. Well, look, the, the Jedi already sold a slave. They do a lot of things. The Jedi code is tricky at best. I'm sure in the bonus scenes, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Fat Fly are all having beers. Fat Fly. <laughs> Absolutely. Run. My number one scene, and I won't even um, hesitate in telling it. I'm not going to spend much time on it. It's one we already talked about. It is the Vader versus Luke fight in Empire Strikes Back, where obviously the bomb is dropped. The one thing in the scene from rewatching it that I noticed is it's so dark. It's a scene that's generated to show this this dark turn that we're going to take on. It's the first time that Luke and Vader actually fight each other with their lightsabers. Because in the first movie, it's Vader and Obi-Wan that fight with the lightsabers. So this is the first time they're meeting face-to-face, and I think that's pretty tense. This is the part I remember, where Darth Vader uses the Force to throw all this different furniture at Luke. Everything. You know, like the chairs, uh, mm-hmm. the couch, everything but the kitchen sink. And I'm just thinking, my God, I should uh, bring Darth Vader along to help me move when I move into my new house. Because <laughs> it's a lot easier than what I was doing. <laughs> Luke is giving it his all. But did you have a feeling that Vader was barely trying? He was breathing hard, so I thought he was trying. <laughs> <laughs> he was still on default breathing. He wasn't on hoots, hoots, hoots. He was still just deep, calm breaths. Uh, I had it my number one scene as well. I mean, it's almost so memorable that, like, it almost got ruined for me because I, I knew going into seeing the movie for the first time that he was going to say that because it's in, like, Tommy Boy, it's in, like, Family Guy, it's all in all these other movies and shows that were, like, they, they parody it. So it's, like, one of the most iconic scenes, like, ever, not just Star Wars. So. That's why I picked it for number one as well. All right, so Matty G, based on uh, calculating everything up, calculating with the fact that uh, certain scenes were listed by two people, what do we have as far as our countdown currently? Okay, so we use the point system of if it's number one on someone's list, it gets five points. Number two, we get four. Number three, we get three. Number four, we get two. And number five, we get one point. If you were on more than one list, you would get five points bonus for that. The two that are the three that are debatable for number five are everyone's number two. <laughs> so you have the Obi Wan and Anakin uh, fight in episode three. You have the hot attack in episode five, and you have the title screen. So everyone's number two 
would be <laughs> debatable for number five in that list. Maddie G, why don't you make a debate for your number two, and we'll just uh, go around the table and see if we can't come to a compromise. Well, I would go with the title screen because it kind of just encapsulates, encapsulates what Star Wars is about. Like that first opening is everyone's first impression of Star Wars, no matter when they watched it. It's kind of like the first thing you ever see of Star Wars. I think, as I've been saying, the uh, Anakin versus Obi-Wan fight scene is everything that the Star Wars universe centralizes on. It's what the climax of the prequels leads up to. And it's the series of events that makes A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi possible. And the picks are the Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi first fight. The opening credits, I I don't like the reading test. Although I can (laughs) see that that is Star Wars. You hear the opening, da-da-da-da, and then the... I don't like that I have to now pay attention and then it's sort of a time clock. You but must have hated Inglorious Bastards because there was a lot of reading in that movie too. I, I didn't go to a movie to take a reading test. Cross it, off Hooked on Phonics as a sponsor for this podcast. Yeah, this, is, this may not be sponsored by Book It. Well, the, I mean, the Hoth scene is something that, you know, we all remember where we were when we first saw the walkers, those AT, AT walkers, and just their firepower and just... For me, it was that was the first time we saw the rebels losing, and that the heroes may not always be on the winning side. It's a more compelling debate to debate the Anakin versus Obi Wan fight scene with the opening Star Wars theme, because I see where Matty G is coming from. It is it is a moment that everyone sees. It's our first interaction with Star Wars, but I still think that the Anakin Obi Wan battle is just uh, such a cool scene. No, so like if I had to go for number five, I'd say the Anakin Obi Wan scene. It was a great lightsaber scene. All right, so that's number five then. <laughs> so we'll uh, make that tiebreaker uh, official. Is it official? I mean, it looks like you know we we managed to have a little bit of a push for one direction. So now we know you know the Anakin Obi Wan scene wins for number five. Uh, if you're going by purely by points, the Yoda lifting the ship would be number four because it had it was a number one vote for Tony. Uh, number three would be the Darth Maul fight in Episode One because it's on two different lists and it had uh, it was number five on two different people's lists. Plus it has five bonus points, so that's seven. The second scene, just because it's on two lists, is on number four and number five on two different lists. Would be the ceremony of uh, A New Hope at the end. So easily number one with 15 points is the I'm Your Father. Scene with Darth Vader because it has two number one votes and uh, the five bonus points. So it's fifteen. I like it. I think all it's right. a great top five. So should we just go through the top five? And we all say a quick little verb on it. Number five: Anakin Skywalker versus Obi Wan Kenobi. We always wondered how did Darth Vader end up being Darth Vader? What happened to him? That fight sets up everything. We've been looking forward to it all prequels. The pinnacle of the episode one to three trilogy. I would say that Ewan McGregor, the guy who plays Obi-Wan, is awesome. And this scene is truly his pinnacle in the prequels. Damn. <laughs> Number four, uh, Yoda lifting the ship in episode five. <laughs> All right, this may not get the love that maybe it deserves, but it's underrated because for the first time we really see the true power of the Force, that someone so small is able to lift something so big. And the line of, well, I couldn't believe it. And he goes, and that is why he failed. Because it's not that he didn't have the power. He just didn't believe in himself. 
it had a good message, and uh, my roommate in college actually had a poster that said, do or do not, there is no try. And uh, it just got a good message for not just for Star Wars, but for everyone that was watching it. I just think the scene was included because Tony had trouble with the weightlifting and phys ed, so all the beer kids were making fun of him, and I think the scene validates Tony. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Number three was the Darth Maul battle in episode one. This is uh, our most memorable scene in episode one, by default, <laughs> and um, it has a memorable song, and it's a very well-choreographed uh, lightsaber fight, and it's the first time we really get to see the double lightsaber in action. This scene is awesome. Darth Maul is such an underutilized character. So the fact that we do get to see an extended fight scene with him and Liam Neeson is pretty badass. This scene I like because of the first time you get to see what modern technology can do with the Force. And you had the, the jumping, you had the different tools that they could use, and it, it was really cool to see it all come together. Number two is the closing ceremony of episode four. All right, I guess I'll start this one off. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's my chewy impression. (laughs) They should have given him a damn medal, and Tony, if I rewatch this and he gets a medal on him, I'm calling you out on every social media platform known to man. Do it. Because he doesn't get a medal, I'm going to call you out because you didn't recognize that a Wookiee got exposed on a national intergalactic platform. This could have been huge for Wookiee relations. They didn't give him a medal, but that's not why this is our favorite scene. Maybe this is your favorite scene if you hate Wookiees and you like the fact that a deserving Wookiee didn't get a medal. This scene's certainly for you. But it's nice to be a hero. That's why I liked it. Memorable song, memorable scene, nothing said, just uh, good music and a great capping off of episode four. No. Number one is Luke Skywalker versus Darth Vader and I'm Your Father. Uh, We can all do the uh, no, I am your father impression. So, you know, it's classic Star Wars. It's something that everyone has used over the years. The definition of didn't see that coming plot twist. One of the biggest twists. In movie history. Probably the darkest thing I've seen in a movie uh, at that age. And yeah, just just a really dark scene. Just awesome. That's it. We got our top five Star Wars moments. Woo! Put it in the books. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm glad we did this. We're kicking off High Five Countdown Podcast the right way. We got our list. So hope you guys enjoyed listening to the podcast. I think our next one that we talked about, guys, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, top five songs of this past year. Y'all ready for this? One, two, three, let's go. Here we go. I'm DJ Seth, though, and by the next podcast, Maddie G needs to learn how to play the most Eisley bar song. I'm Maddie G. I'm I'm Tony B, and I'll make sure not to interrupt people and to know when I'm supposed to talk. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wrap. (laughs) 